0: to live without serving a master, any master, and let the rest of us know, will you? Welcome back to the Two Guys in a Movie podcast. If you are just tuning in, you missed a lot. And we are talking about Paul Thomas Anderson, the director, acclaimed director, Oscar-nominated director. Uh, but we're going to take a brief break from Paul ta- talking about Paul Thomas Anderson. Thank God. And <laughs> answer some questions people asked us on Twitter. Really quick, if you don't, you can follow us on Twitter at Two Guys in a Movie, or you can follow us individually at Josh underscore Williams09 or at Danilo S. Castro. So the first question comes from at NLE318, good friend of ours on Twitter. And he says, which video game movie do you think deserves a second chance? Josh? My answer is because if people don't know, Tomb Raider releases soon the remake. Uh, My answer is Warcraft. Did you like Warcraft? I did not like Warcraft. I'm not a Duncan Jones fan now. Uh, He has made some pretty bad movies very recently, including Warcraft. And from the teensy bit I know about that game and the lore around it, that movie should be badass. So I don't know why it's not. It should be more Lord of the Rings-ish, huh? Yes, it should be like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones meets Willow or some shit.
1: That's, but it's a, that's a great pitch. That's <laughs> yeah. a great
0: elevator pitch. Let me make Warcraft. <laughs> Here's millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go with one that I also thought was a terrible movie. That it's fair to say most video game movies are pretty. Yeah, that's good. A, yeah. In case anyone's out there <laughs> in question, uh, yeah, most of them are bad. Even like the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider is not very good. I gotta be, I gotta be painfully honest. I think this upcoming one is going to be worse than the Angelina Jolie one. It's a bold statement. I think the other ones at least have like a campy fun. This one looks like it's taking itself yeah. just just too seriously enough to be fun in that way. <sighs> it's rough, but not good enough to be good. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I think Assassin's Creed would have been a good movie, especially yeah. especially given the cast: Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard. Yeah. Uh, like Why is it not good? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that should have been bad. And even like the guy who directs that, Justin Kurzel, does a movie right before that mm-hmm. with Michael Fassbender, and oh, it's a film adaptation of Macbeth. That's right, and it's fantastic. So going in, it should have been amazing. Why was it not good? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Assassin's Creed for me. Whatever. Uh, our second question. Thank comes you for your question. Us. Also, by the way. Thank you. Our second question comes to us from Maria Seville. A, this is a fun fact. We know her in real life. And she is a Can accepted filmmaker. That's right. She had a short film in the Cannes Film Festival. So follow her on Twitter. And she got to meet Guillermo del Toro. She met Guillermo del Toro. She's a big fan, like most of us. Uh, follow all these people on Twitter. They're all film fans. They've all got a lot to offer. Our first question came from our good friend, uh, at NLE318. And so Maria Saville sa- Marie Saville says, What is your favorite film from the year you were born, and why? Mm. You want me to go first on this one? Yeah, you go first. Okay, so I was born in ninety-five. My pick is Before Sunrise, the Richard Linklater. I didn't even know that was in 95. 95. Nice. That series is as old as I am. (laughs) Um and I love that movie. I write it down for Richard Linklater, for those who know me. Um and that movie is just such a nice, beautiful, lovely, it is. About nothing movie. It really is. Um you know, uh, depending on how you feel romantically in your life, might not be the best thing. <laughs> no. But if you're at a certain place, I highly it's recommend very it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a fantastic movie. That's still one of my favorites yeah. um coming from him. And yeah. so ninety five before sunrise. Mine is like a six million way tie because there's a million thing I was born in nineteen ninety six and there are a lot of fantastic films that came out that year. Uh but I I'm have to go... To think of like a shitty one throughout there. But like, what about King that Pin? one? Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to go with my guts and what's got me into film in the first place. So my favorite film is Wes Craven's Scream. Oh, Which was in 96. Good pick. So it's a fantastic horror film. Not only is it frightening at moments, but it's funny and yeah. it's basically... Cut and dry everything that Wes Craven has ever done. Is it? So is it I love it. Your favorite Wes Craven movie? It is not my favorite Wes Craven. It movie. is not. No. What is my it? My favorite Wes Craven movie is the first Nightmare. Movies. Okay. It's got to be. It's got to be one it's of those. Right two. after. Yeah. <laughs> one of those two, right? But I love that movie. I think it's fantastic. So I'd like to meet um, someone whose favorite Wes Craven movie is neither of those. Right. They would just be like, it's it's New Nightmare. <laughs> that movie's sure. the shit. That movie's <laughs> awesome. It's um, Scream 4 yeah. with Emma Roberts. <laughs> that movie's so bad. It's not um, good. So thank you, Marie. We appreciate you. Uh, or Maria. That messed with me because you, your at name is Marie, but you, our name is Maria. I'm a bad host. <laughs> <laughs> but we gave you your answer. I'm a bad host. But we gave you thank you for answer. the question. We really appreciate it. We hope to see you again soon. Um, our next question also comes from a real-life friend that we All know. Right. His name is David Frausto, and his at on Twitter is Frawsto the best. Uh, <laughs> Wiser words. <laughs> that's those, a great. That's a great. Those answer. are accurate. Um, his question is: What film is do we think is the most underrated of this past year, and why do we think it should have more recognition? Okay. So for me, yes, there's a lot. Uh, But I am going to go with Trey Edward Schultz's It Comes at Night. Because I think while it got really good reviews from a lot of people, I think it kind of came and went. Mm -hmm. And I believe it does a lot of really good horror tropes. And it does something that not a lot of horror films do nowadays. And it is truly terrifying. It scares the shit out of me. Do you feel like almost annually there's like a great horror film that goes un recognized. Do you feel like that happens a lot with that genre? I'm thinking of something like The Witch, I'm trying to think. Cause, well, well cuz I feel like The Witch is The Witch feels pretty popular like The Babadook in the same year probably. Yeah, is kind things of like that underrated. Yeah, so there's probably like The one. genre doesn't get the credit it deserves, I don't think. No, especially now. Yeah, you know, there's obviously yeah. and Scream and The Exorcist, but Yeah. Um, yeah. okay, what cool. What about you? Mine um I was going to go with Mother because that movie was fantastic, but it got a lot of attention, just not the right kind of attention. So I think it's I think it's gotten its exposure. It's a great movie, though. I'm gonna go with A Ghost Story. Fantastic. Yeah, David Lowry's film with Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. That movie I was unsure going in. I had never seen a David Lowry film, and oh, it's it's really good. haunting. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah, it's so good. It's really. It's good. just as long as it needs to be. It's just as indulgent as it needs to be. It's just as slow it's heartbreaking as it needs to be. It too. is like it is. I, I visually like choked, or vocally like choked up in the theater when the house gets torn down. Yes, and the other ghost is there, and it and gone. it just falls. Yeah, like ugh. Yeah, so and then cute. I really like that one scene in the middle where the guy gives the whole speech about yep. being, you know, existing and yeah. just like. So that movie's yeah. fantastic. I feel like <clears throat> Casey Affleck's, uh, you know controversies of the last couple years kind of hindered that film but i feel like that film should have been way more recognized me if i'm talking in the realm of casey affleck movies i think it's way better than the movie that josh loves and everyone else loves which is manchester by the sea i know that's an unpopular opinion <laughs> but i prefer <laughs> a ghost story opinion. uh so that would be my pick i probably prefer a ghost story as well do you but just you like manchester a lot more than me i does. do like manchester okay. a lot more than you do so so yes anyway thank you for Thank you, Frausto. Thank you, everybody who asks us questions. Yeah, yeah, I we appreciate We will be it. taking questions before every episode. A few days in advance, and of course, the day of, so yeah. feel free to follow us, ask us questions at any time. Yeah, we appreciate it. Now, uh, we'll get back on the PTA horse. Yes. We have taken a little detour, no big deal, uh, but now we're back on to things that PTA have done, and between his next feature film, there are some little bits he does in between, yeah. so Danilo... So he does uh, in the aftermath of Magnolia. He does a music video for the song "Save Me" by Amy Mann, which plays at the end of the movie. And uh, it's a cool video. They shot it. Uh, they they shot it in bits mm-hmm. during the actual shoot of Magnolia. Uh, so they would shoot a scene with the actors, and then Amy Mann would just come in and sing a portion of the song. So yeah. So she's basically just like inserted into the scenes in the film. So it's a cool little video, a nice little cool. like addition. Yeah, that's cool for you Magnolia lovers out there. Uh, And then we jump to the year 2000, the new millennium, and he does a pair of uh, Fiona Apple videos, two more, uh, Limp and Paperback. And it's here that he starts to make a change, and it's a change that we're about to discuss in a lot of detail because there's a lot that changes. Uh, He starts to kind of move away from the style that he had before, and he starts to embrace more expressionistic colors, Uh, In both of the Apple videos, there's lots of blues, lots of bright reds, lots of Mm -hmm. neon colors, Mm -hmm. lots of more just kind of, I guess, surreal elements to it Yeah. Yeah, that we see really take hold in his next feature film, which is in 2002. So, in 2002, Paul Thomas Anderson returns to the feature film game with Punch Drunk Love, starring Adam Sandler, Emily Watson, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Luis Guzman. So, before we get into Punch Drunk <laughs> Love, Danilo and I have been talking a lot of PTA, a lot, a lot of PTA, a lot, um, and we had kind of come to the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson may be one of the. There is probably some directors we're missing or overlooking, and if you, if people listening know, yeah. please like, tell us. Yeah, we, because we racked our brain for like yeah. an hour and a half trying to think of people who we came up have, with. What we came up with, like Cronenberg, kind of, yeah, um, and then Inedit Two, kind In-Eritu, of, Two, kind of, and I think one. More. I forget who else, but we th- we have come to the conclusion that Paul Thomas Anderson is one of the few filmmakers who has a very massive pivot, very massive in terms of style. Yes, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Heartache, all of those kind of follow the same approach. There's very, it's very. You can tell it's it's on film and it's a little noisy. Yeah, and he's got some muted colors. There's not really a very fancy color scheme with any of them. Yeah, and, and, and by is, noisy you mean just in case for anyone, uh, just grain on the grain, film. Grain, yeah, just so grain on the film. Nothing to do with the, the audio. Of no, the film. Um, and that is not quickly, but a few years later is thrown out the window, more or less. Yeah. So, Punch Drunk Love, and then well, right in the next film we'll discuss it. But yeah, we'll get there. He so he immediately moves into something very it's his shortest film yes it's very simple yes it's heartbreaking again it's It's depressing but it's really pleasing to look at and not that his past films haven't been pleasing to look at but now he has a color scheme and there's color coming into his significant discussion Yeah, where we aren't talking about just the themes through his his screenwriting now but now through the colors and through some other stuff that he decides to do it's Incredibly interesting. We talk about we've taken a pretty straightforward path so far, yeah. right? Heartache, Boogie Nights, Magnolia. The stakes get bigger. Yeah. The stakes get more dramatic. The actors stay the same. Mm-hmm. And while there's a couple actors that spill over into Punch Drunk Love, he the break is radical. Kind of takes a dive. It's like he hits the reset button and he then really goes in does. another direction, yeah. right? So Punch Drunk Love is a romance, comedy, drama film. Adam Sandler of course it's not your typical Adam Sandler film not exactly film. and I wonder uh, if people going in expecting a typical Adam Sandler movie was what hurt the movie's box office because it didn't uh, yeah. perform super well yeah so Punch on Glove I there I know a lot of people who are big fans totally makes sense it's very Barry Egan is very easy to relate to yeah that's Sam the character he's such a outsider and such he's so tortured and it's just with all of Paul Thomas Anderson's characters, they're so tortured in these varying ways, but a lot of them just want love. They do. They just want... And whether that be love through marriage or relationship from the opposite or the same sex, Yeah, sure. or it's through the love of uh, you know, having a family sure. or just a mentor, yeah. that is put on full blast it is. in Punch Drunk Love. And we have... We go from his largest canvas to his tiniest, right? Yeah. It's one, it's Barry Egan's it's, show. It's his, mainly, literally a movie that's about <laughs> 15 different people, suddenly just becomes about one, and I would say two, just because Emily Ar- yeah, Watson yeah, becomes that's that's such true. a big character. Just two. But we open it and we end it with him. Yeah, it's, his, it's mainly about Barry Egan. He's the dude on the cover. Yeah. So. Whoa, right? It's it's a, it's a hell of a movie. Yeah, um, you, fr- you freaked. Sorry, yeah. you freaked me out because you looked I down know. and said "whoa." So I was like, "What?" What I was going to do? What, what was it? An old mistake. Space <laughs> out for like <laughs> a split second. What is it? <laughs> um, so it's, it's a it's a, and I'm only going to use this word for this movie. Okay, it's a whimsical movie. It is. It's it is whimsical. Lots of whimsy. From from the way it starts, right? Yeah, where he finds the little he finds the piano, yeah. in the street, and yeah. then He's playing it at the th- at the office. He has the bright blue suit throughout the yep. whole movie. Mm-hmm. He's um, when they get pudding and he's dancing. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, it, it, he's again he's working with John Bryan. This is the mm-hmm. last PTA movie to feature John Bryan's music. Yep. I think mm-hmm. this is John Bryan's best soundtrack. It, yeah, it is I his think best. it's lovely. Easy. It's Easy. very whimsical. Very. You know, mm-hmm. almost European. A little bit. It's playing throughout the whole movie. Yeah. I feel like it's the most music we get in a movie until much later. And I'll yeah. tell you when. And I yeah. feel like you know <laughs> I, I, the one I need. Uh Robert Elswit shoots it again. Yes. This is what's fascinating about to me. Yeah. And we'll get to it again in the next film. Yeah. Robert Elswit has now been with him for every film. Yeah. And Robert Elswit is also a part of this pivot. Absolutely. He successfully masters shooting hard eight magnolia and boogie nights yes in that very similar look and visual style and he pivots just as powerful as anderson does in the color scheme yeah and the composition and the shots and it's fantastic yeah it's it's, it's, it's mind-blowing how well they work together. absolutely it's it's so it's such a warm but then like it's the, the colors are so yeah. it's just it's probably as close to a cinematographer or director combo of like deacons and the cohen's Probably in just terms, of, but yeah. like, do you do you think Deacon and the Cohen show as much variety? I think they show a very similar shift. You think so? Yeah. Okay, because like Fargo is very muted, sure. and then almost like immediately after, oh, that, it's that's like, so, boom. okay. You're talking about Big, oh, Brother Rardau yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. Okay, that's fair. I didn't consider that. It, it, but Punch Drunk Love, I mean, Punch Drunk Love is maybe the film I have the hardest time getting a hold of. I don't know yeah. where to place it, how to categorize it, and I'm sure that's part of the the. the I'm sure that was part of the enjoyment for Anderson, like yeah. after making such heavy things, it's yeah. like, I'm just gonna cut loose and yeah. Adam Sandler and it's silly and you know. Easily the best Adam Sandler performance. It is. It is easily. The best. Yes, it is. Easily. And I the feel best like I feel like happens. even people who haven't seen Punch Drunk Love know to say that. Yeah. That's just like a, a common like it's like it's accepted it's that like that's almost, the case. And it's and we talked about this the other day. Uh, Adam Sandler was recently in The Meyervitz Stories by Noah Baumbach and he's very good in that. Very good. But this level of Adam Sandler seems to be something that only Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. could reel out of him. Yeah, he just like... Because he's really good obviously in The Meyerowitz Stories as yeah. like that tortured soul but sure. like for this it's a whole nother level. It's there's of, so many... Like yeah. nuance and just everything to like when I rewatched it recently everything from like the way he speaks... And the way he moves his hands. And it's just all of it is just yeah. so innocent and depressing. Absolutely. It's, it's the first time we see all the characteristics that Anderson splits amongst a bunch of characters. In one. Narrowed yeah. onto yeah. one. And mm-hmm. that's a big thing to ask of a guy who's, I mean, a comedic Billy actor. He's yeah. Yeah. happy Gilmore. So yeah. the fact that he was not only asked that of Adam Sandler but managed to pull it off is amazing. Yeah, it, It's a hell of a pivot. Um, it's a great movie. It is a great movie. I think it's his most uh, aggressively uh, romantic. Yeah. Right? It's mm-hmm. the only one where there's sort of a, a, an outwardly happy resolution. Yeah. Things go well for Barry. Yeah. Um, Louis Guzman, hilarious. <laughs> great, again. Uh, his final performance in a PTA movie, to date. Mm-hmm. Great. Philip Seymour Hoffman's awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> shut, shut, shut. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's so a, great. It's a brief role... And he kills it again. Yeah. I mean, I don't Emily, even know what to and say. Emily Watson Emily, is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, she has a very odd kind of. Yeah. She's great. She is great. She matches his quirkiness in a different way. Yeah, tell. I'll tell you. I was floored when I found out it was the same actress from Breaking oh the God, Waves. Oh, God, Breaking the because Waves. Because I'm not a big, bre- you and I are not big I'm Breaking not the Waves mean, fans. No, no. But I was blown away to yeah. learn it's the same person. She's a good actress. She gave a good performance Because even in Breaking, in breaking, breaking the, the waves, waves, she's really good. Absolutely. But it's amazing to see. Talk about fucking pivots. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah no kidding. <laughs> That's um, intense. And she wears red throughout the film. She's always in red. And he's always in blue. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that. Yeah. He's never been so outwardly just, like, yeah. expressionistic. Yeah. And then throughout the film, like, there's these weird little colorful flourishes. Yep. That, like, transition the scenes. Mm-hmm. And it's just all very... It, it, oh. It's a... It's the... I think it's the first time, it's definitely not the last, that we realize he has range that other filmmakers don't. No. Know. And we're talking about other great filmmakers. Yeah. Christopher Nolan can't make a pivot like this. Nope. I David, don't know if David Fincher David can Fincher, make a pivot no. like this. You know what I mean? Nope. Um... This is kind of unprecedented. Yeah. It's really out of left field. Yeah. And he nails it. He does nail it. Yeah. I know the movie didn't perform super well when it came out, but its reputation has gotten better. Yeah. And it's oddly the only PTA movie to receive a criterion treatment. Yeah. Which... Doesn't seem right. but Doesn't <laughs> make sense. No, again, not to shit on Punch Drunk Love. It's yeah. great. But, random. Random. Uh, what is your PTA scene? From my Trump PTA Lowe scene and you're out of 10 okay here let's see it's tough it is tough this one's tricky there's a couple scenes that aren't as there's not as many like openly in like there's no frogs falling from the sky there's not yeah it's and a little no, worse and there's no there's not as many freak outs absolutely there's a couple but they're brief and there's, there's not as much just, like, open insanity about it. For sure. So it's hard. And given that it's only, what, 90 minutes? An well, hour 35. Really? Okay, we'll whittle it down to just one scene. Magnolia yeah. like needed to do each. <laughs> yeah. The one I really like is early on in the film when... Because uh, Sandler has, like, six sisters or, mm-hmm. or some crazy number. And they all just mercilessly bully him. And you can tell they have his entire life. And mm-hmm. you can tell it's a big factor in why he is the way he is. Yeah. And he, he comes and they're having a party. And he he kind of positions his way to like, uh, somewhere in the room and the camera just stays on him again, lingering. Mm -hmm. And you just hear the sounds and you kind of follow his eyes and he, you just see him get increasingly more disoriented and he doesn't know where to go. And, and I mean, who can't relate to that feeling at a party when you don't know where to go. So that scene shortly followed by the one where he talks to, and I feel like it's one you're going to talk about. If it's not, I'm going to mention it. Okay. Um, so that scene sticks out to me. I think yeah. that's the very Egan experience in a nutshell. Okay. The scene you're talking about is not the scene I had in mind. Really? Uh, you know the one I mean, though. I think so. Okay. Well, well it might be. I don't know. we we'll Because there's, there's a couple. Uh, one I really like is at the party when he breaks the glass. Yeah. And then when he's in the laundry room. That's the one I was... Yeah. yeah. When he's in the laundry room and he talks to one of his sister's husbands, yes. I think. Yeah. And he, like, breaks down yeah. in the laundry room. And he's like, I don't... He's like... Is he, doesn't he ask me? He's like, are you... He's like, "What you?" He, he, I think he asks, "Like, what are you doing in here?" And he's like, "I yeah. just came to check on you." Yeah. And then he's like, Eah. And then he's like, "I don't know how other people are supposed to be." Like, yeah. Asks him if that's mm-hmm. if he's being normal he's being or something normal. like that. Like, is this how other people are? I think is pretty close. to Yeah. The it's a great like dramatic film with a lot of humor in it. There's a lot of there's a lot going on. Yeah, and it, it shows a lot of growth. Like I feel like at this point, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about how Hard Eight was a straightforward narrative, a mm-hmm. noir yeah. genre movie. Punched on Glove is him trying to make a rom-com, but he's sharpened his tools so much that I don't think he can make just a traditional anything anymore. No, no, impossible. <laughs> this is his version of the romantic comedy. Now he's just doing his version yeah. of genres. So, now, oh, grades oh, out of 10. Oh, grades out of 10. Uh, I'll I'll say 8. 8? Um, It's very good. This one's tricky. It it really teeters between a seven and an eight. Yeah. But I think on the most recent rewatch, I really enjoyed it much more than I had previously. I guess I'll give it an eight. So. I, I'll give it an eight as well, which is weird because I just give Magnolia an eight. Yeah. It's they're like they're night and day. It's one eighty. Yeah. But I like. I guess for the same reasons I like Magnolia's weight and drama. Mm-hmm. I like Punch Drunk Love. It feels very off the cuff. Yeah. And very like even the the, the soundtrack where it's like with the drums. Yeah. It's just the movie feels alive. Yeah, it does. We now take the biggest break mm-hmm. in his career. From this point on, he has made a film. Uh, Boogie Nights and Heart Eight are a year apart. Uh, Boogie Nights and Magnolia are two years apart. And uh, Magnolia and Punch Drunk are three years apart. Yeah. So he's on a pretty consistent yeah. pace. And there are a couple things that spill over from Punch Drunk yeah. Love. So there's a John Bryan video called Here We Go in like 03. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just like a. It's just clips from Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. He releases a short film called Blossoms in Blood, which is Punch Drunk Love condensed to 12 minutes, which is really weird. Hmm. It's on the Criterion DVD. And then he does a, a little, like, it's like a two-minute film with mm-hmm. Adam Sandler called Couch. And it's in oh. black and white. And he just, like, Adam Sandler just walking around a couch door. And, like, it's silent. And it's, like, it's just, like... It's really fucking weird, let me tell you. <laughs> That's funny. and he's like, every, it's just like the like his footsteps are really exaggerated, and yeah, like, he sits on the couch and it like falls over, like it's very, like a Charlie Chaplin bit almost. <laughs> That's funny, um, but, but he these are all the, the, spillovers, so yeah. these aren't necessarily original. And these, are, films. And these all are in two thousand two or two thousand three. Yeah, so he takes a very massive. It's not like between his, this and his next film. Yes. He's doing smaller no. things. The only thing he does, and it's not even his thing, he kind of mm-hmm. just hung out, was in 2006, he was hired as like the backup director yeah. for uh, A Prairie Home Companion, which was the last film made by Robert Altman, yeah. an idol of his. A very big idol. A very big idol. Um, because Altman was sick at the time, so so the only way he could kind of get insured was uh, basically if Altman was going to die, then Anderson would have stepped in and basically finished directing the film which yeah. would have been wild yeah um and the movie just kind of random tidbits john c Riley is in it mm-hmm. kind of that connection and anderson's girlfriend maya rudolph yeah who, they're still together they mm-hmm. have kids um she's also in the film so that's the only thing so even then it's not his name's not on it no you know yeah. he had no uh creative input per se so yeah. he doesn't really do anything for He's just there <laughs> Technically, we go from O two to O seven, so So five years. A five year gap of not really doing anything. That's a long time. It is a long time. So, in O seven in two thousand and seven, he makes what many would go on record to say is not only his best film, but is instant is an instant classic. Instant. There is the iconic movie character element. There are iconic scenes the film that will be taught at film schools and people will continuously watch and never forget. Yes, his first non-original film, it's an adaptation. That's right, of a novel, okay, by the same of the same name. There will be blood. There will be blood. Starring Daniel Day-Lewis, Paul Dano, and uh Sirian Hines. Oh, Sirian Hines. I don't know how to say his name. Yeah, Sirian Hines. Said. Yeah. Uh it takes place in the 1800s. Yeah, it's like 1898 right to, like, what, 1927? It yeah, expands like that. Right before, uh, and it stars, and Daniel Day-Lewis is in the lead role of Daniel Plainview, the man on a search for wealth and power, and, and oil. he finds it in oil. So... Okay. Let's So now, before we get into it again... <laughs> Fun, if not, if there are directors who have at least somewhat of a pivot, right? Sure. He's probably the only director with two fucking pivots. I was, yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> so right? So, Punch Drunk Love is very happy and it's very bright, colorful. Yeah, like you said, fun, there's a lot of sweet. colors. There Will Be Blood is immediately, is probably cut and dry. The exact opposite of that. Yeah. It's a period piece. It's his first massive period piece. Yes. It's in the 1800s. It's not like the 70s or the early 80s. It's not a sexy time period. Yeah. It's in the 1800s. There's massive sets. There's trains moving and churches and all this crazy shit. And to top it all off... Daniel Day Lewis is the lead. Yeah, the iconic Daniel. He's already iconic yeah. by the time this movie is out. Not the not not the caliber actor, and not the type of actor that he's worked with. No, before he's worked with some fantastic actors. Yes, don't but, get me wrong. But character but he actors gets into something and... very different with Day Lewis. Yes. So and the visual style immediately flips again. Robert Elswit is fantastic. Takes home the Oscar. Yeah, wins the Oscar. Best beats, cinematography beats out Deakins who was nominated against himself. <laughs> you know, I'd be... <laughs> which is I'd, really funny to I'd me. I'd be upset, but I think... I can't argue. <laughs> no. It's also, a fantastic Also, I shot. feel like There Will Be Blood lost things it should have won to the film that Deacon shot, which I is agree. No Country for Old Men. I agree. Um, <laughs> Where? Well, how do you want to approach this one? <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah, it's, you're, it's you're right. Two pivots. It's almost like... What I said earlier, right, Magnolia to Punch Drunk Love is a one eighty. It's almost like he's like, No, that's not a one eighty. This is a one eighty. Yeah. It's almost like night and day. It's kind of like he walks in to the studio office, right? And he's like, I wanna do punch drunk love, like this'll be kinda fun. And then he just like kicks down the door one day (laughs) and Day Lewis is behind him, like screaming and yelling, and he's like, I wanna do this. (laughs) But very uncommercial. Very very, just not a pandering film in the slightest. No, it's the first film with Johnny Greenwood. Yes, who does Johnny, every film from now right. on? That's right, Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead, the the guitarist, and one. I guess they all write the songs, but one of the songwriters yeah. of Radiohead. Yeah, so there's no more John Bryan. Um, he ditches every everyone old yeah. actor. Yeah, we there's no about John C. Riley. There's right. no Louis Guzman. There's no Philip Baker Hall. There's, there's no Hoffman. No Hoffman it's insanity yeah it is a clean break yeah and it is stunning and it nails <laughs> like, it nails personally i i love it and it's amazing but i am not i will not put it at like the number one like everybody else do you think it's overrated no no okay <laughs> not at all so so you don't think it's overrated but it just doesn't hit you to the fullest extent it it's so weird because it does. Uh-huh. Like when I watched it the first time, I was like, this makes fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just some other films he does that hit me much harder. That were that, coming up that on. were that stir my insides much more. Okay. Not that this doesn't. I understand. But I understand. There's it's just not... much more I can I don't connect with as much of Daniel Plainview as, as I do with guys. some other PTA characters. Yeah, I can agree with that. I don't think that There's Blood is slightly emotionally distant. Yeah. It might be the most of his films. Yeah. Right? Because since Plainview is so stoic. Yeah. But it has all of the elements we've seen that It does. he's toyed with. It does. And they're fucking mm-hmm. flawless. They this. are. There's the absence of family. Yes. He abandons his son. Yes. He meets his brother and kills his brother. Yes. Because he doesn't want to be attached to the interestingly, family. Interestingly, interestingly, with those two people that you just said, those mm-hmm. are both right. But we come to find out. And at this point, I yeah. hope you guys understand that they are massive spoilers. Yeah. It's just like, fuck. Um, Why do I keep listening? <laughs> his son that he abandons is not actually his son. No. And his brother that he kills is not, actually, not actually his, his brother. brother. What a weird disconnect yeah. to add in. Why? Yeah, right? What's the point? Because they both serve the same purpose as if they were actually his... Because he treats them like it. He does. So it's it, it, it's a weird thing that he go PTA goes out of his way to, to highlight. Yeah. Like, these aren't actually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. My God. And then... Religion. Religion. Which Extremely, is, Which yes. is solely through Paul Dano's yeah. character. Dano is Eli Sunday, yeah. right? A the, preacher. The preacher. A very shady preacher. Yeah. Someone who is totally the exploiting the people there. Yeah. Um, and when we say there, and we're talking about 1890s to early 1900s in California. And Plainview is not religious. No. He's an atheist. Yes. He insults Dano several times about the religion. He does. But, but the weird thing is, both of them are equally uh, corrupted, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Plainview is more upfront about it, mm-hmm. but Dano is just as slimy and just as in it for wealth and for yeah. kind of glory as, as he is. He is. Yeah. yeah. There are no good people in this film, really. No. And, um, and that is something that's very odd of Anderson because he asks you to love his characters. Yeah, you don't really love... This might be the only one where he doesn't really ask that of you. You don't really love plain view. But he doesn't even try to make you, right? No, you never, I don't, not that I can think of at least. There's not really. I mean, you come to understand him and you come to see certain scenes. There's certain scenes with him and his son where you're like, okay, I can, you know. Yeah. I appreciate that or I can, you know, I understand. He, Oh, he does care for his son. But mm-hmm. overall, it's very bitter. Yeah. It's very, you know, dude has a has a black hole where his heart should be. Yeah.
1: Um
0: but then there there's weird there's weird moments where you kind of care about him because there's something it feels like when I watch it at least there is something else that he wants. There is. Like on top of all the wealth and the money and the oil. Yes. There's still not something there at the end of the day. No. And and obviously he tries to have a relationship with the, the boy as yeah. his son. And tries to have a relationship with the guy as his brother. Yeah. So it's, And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So it's like, he's not he's sure. He's doomed from the beginning. He's not yeah. sure what it is that can fill that either. Yeah. Um. Uh, visually stunning. Visually. Right? Blow it. Lots of very static vistas. <laughs> he also starts and, to do... A, something we see a, a couple of times in his previous films, but he starts to do a little bit more like slower pushes. Yes. Yeah. We don't see that as much. Like in punch from yeah. Glove, there's a lot of like yeah. really sweeping shots. Yeah. And so this, we start and they're to they're like, more sterile in yeah. bloody blood. It's like epicness is definitely, I would have to assume as a word that him and elsewhere had in mind. Right. Yeah. Epic feel. Yeah. Large scale. It um, is like a period piece. Yes. Like, this is like when you yes. talk about what embodies the period piece, it's this. Absolutely. Big actor. It's a, Massive in scope. Yeah. And it's insane. Dano's fabulous. Dano is fabulous. One of his best performances? Yeah, easily. Dan easily Lewis. one of Dane Lewis' best performances. My God. Yeah. Stunning. Easily. Solidifies him as one of the great... As if he wasn't yes, already there. Yes, Because by I this think, time... You know, I think this does a lot for that case. It does. Because even even if he doesn't... Because he, he gets the Oscar. This is his second. Yes. Even if he doesn't have this, right? Before this movie... He still has an Oscar already. And several nominations. And several nominations. Yes. He's in Last of the Mohicans. He's in yes. The Age of Innocence. He's in In the Name of the Father. The Gangs of New York. He's in a shit ton of stuff. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, I it's not it. like he's an underrated guy. This is like around. a centerpiece, though. Yeah. I think this helps a lot. Yeah. With the case for Daylouis no, is yeah. the best. But this, like... Yeah. If he wasn't already there, this, like, catapults yes, him. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So oh, boy. this it's, it's, his, just... it's his most nominated film of any of his films. Understandably. Actor, cinematography, best picture, best director, best adapted screenplay, best film editing, best art direction, and best sound editing. Total triumph. Yeah. Easily deserves all He of comes this. back with a vengeance. He does. It's easily... <laughs> yeah. um, Greenwood... It's incredible. Yeah. Greenwood's score Greenwood's is... first score. Greenwood, I've learned an interesting thing. Greenwood will only use instruments for a score that were around in that time period. Very cool. So from 1800 and 1926 or whenever it ends, he's only using instruments that were around in that time period. Very cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Damn, I'm just trying to figure out like which, what things that you have to, um, people, I want, this is something I kind of want to address Mm -hmm. because a lot of people like to throw this around when we talk about There Will Be Blood and the Mm -hmm. next film. Kubrick, influence. Uh, lots of people like to throw mm. Kubrickian out there when discussing this film and discussing the next film but it's something that I myself have never really I don't seen. really see it and if they I are mean, there maybe... I feel like they're minimal or not so overt as like I yeah. don't feel like Kubrick is serving the same purpose that Robert Altman is on some of his movies yeah. or like you know what I mean like yeah. oh let me you know uh, and he and, and Anderson talks specifically about like John Huston Mm -hmm. and, like, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, like, informing this movie. Yeah. Or, like, John Huston will also influence the next movie. I just, uh, I I want that to be out there more. I don't really see that. Yeah, and he's not, and Anderson doesn't reference Kubrick explicitly when talking about these movies, so. And even if it's, like, Because maybe I could kind of see it from the Kubrick point of view of like a massive main character, right? And kind of a polarizing main character. Yeah, like in Sparkus and like Paths of Glory and The Shining and like all these Kubrick films. Yeah, Clockwork Orange. there's There's obviously a very big character yeah that's not really morally correct yeah so i kind of understand that but i don't see it but in the, I, it's the, not, in, the te- uh, in the technique i, I don't think it's enough for me to be like oh man this is yeah and yeah you know, yeah people love to throw that word out there yeah i don't think that's yeah so i just what, wanted to throw that I, out I there because that's something that came it's an across. interesting yeah it's interesting thing about yeah so okay there will be blood woo uh favorite scene which which there's a lot to pick. there's 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 not necessarily a lot to pick from. There's a couple key, but I think it, yeah. there are a few. There are a couple, yeah, ones. Um, I feel like the one I'm gonna say is the one you have in mind. I'll pick another one. There's a uh, So right. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and go with the standard, the milkshake scene. Absolutely. So the very end of the film, Paul Dano and Daniel Day Lewis have one final confrontation. And he insults him. Yeah. And then he kills him. Yeah. And so what, as if the the scene is kind of funny and it's <laughs> kind of odd. In a very twisted way. What gets me is immediately after he kills him and he's sitting there and all he says is, I'm finished. Yeah. And then the classical music. Starts yeah, and and then it starts. And, and then know, like and before that, obviously the, I drink your milk. milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean. Classic line. That's you know, is, yeah, point. I was yeah. going to say that's, I would say this is the first time Anderson has kind of written something that becomes iconic. Yeah. line like dialogue wise. Yeah. This um, is up there with like other iconic movie yeah, lines. Yeah. Like we're going to need a bigger boat. Exactly. And, like, yeah. The first I drink your milkshake. Like, yeah. If you put that on a shirt, people are going to know what that's from. Exactly. Um That is a great scene. So I'll go ahead and go with that one. Okay. And then. And out of 10, I'm going nine. Okay. It's, Can you explain why? I just, um, I think it's fantastic. Uh huh. And it's lovely, but I do think it does indulge a little bit. Just for my taste. Okay. It doesn't, the subject okay. matter and what we're, what we discuss is not enough for me personally. I understand. It's, so the, the, con- the content doesn't quite captivate It doesn't captivate me as previous films okay. have. Okay. And it's, don't get me wrong. No, I understand right? that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. It's not amazing. like you're saying it's a three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for okay. me, it's a nine out of 10. I totally agree. Day-Lewis is immediately now a legend as yeah. if he wasn't already. Sure. Anderson now has a classic. It imme- like one of those movies that's like immediately the f- second you watch it this is gonna go down in history yeah. it's gonna be taught at schools like shit like yeah. that so. and I feel like it weirdly revives his not that it needed revival mm-hmm. but I feel like Punch I mean Boogie Nights kind of made him like the wonder kid like oh he's young and yeah. he's like and then Magnolia pretty well received overall obviously yeah Punch Drunk Love was a little weird to people <laughs> I feel like their blood puts him back to like Oh my God! He's yeah. like in the greatest. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, he's in like the greatest American director conversation. Yeah, and There Will Be Blood, I think, does a lot for that case. For I, him. Yeah. I so agree. big movie for Anderson and Day De- Lewis. Yeah, as if he wasn't already on track to be sure. one of the greatest American filmmakers. Sure, he now is yeah. immediately in the conversation. Yeah. with legends. Yes, you know Martin Scorsese yeah. and Orson, of, Wells, Orson Welles and, and yeah. all these other people. John Ford, it's all the insane. American directors. Yeah, he immediately gets thrown Absolutely. into that conversation with one movie. With one movie. That's impressive. It is impressive. That's impressive to me. Um, I feel like it also, it also like, it it's such a centerpiece. It allows something like Punch Drunk Love to just be like a side piece. And yeah. I feel like it's better that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite scene for me, milkshake scene is amazing. Mm-hmm. Probably the one in the church when he he has to agree to get baptized in order to kind of uh, pull off a financial deal. Yeah, And, Dano has forces him to say, "I've abandoned my child," and when he finally says it, you can tell it breaks him a little bit, Mm -hmm. and it's terrifying. Mm. Right? I've abandoned my child. Just the the shift when he starts yelling—it's menacing. Because at first, it's just like it's kind of normal. Because he's like, "I've abandoned my child," and it's like, "All right, I get it." And then 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 we just, just, "I've abandoned my boy." It's so intense. Oh Oh, my goodness! So that scene shakes me every time. I'm always. Every time I know it's coming, and I'm equally not ready for it when it happens. The second I get goosebumps is when they pour the water on him, and then he just oh, like viciously yeah, shakes like, it off. <laughs> I am going to give this one a 10. Yeah. I think it's his... It's deserving. I think it's his second masterpiece for yeah. me. Um, it's a, and I, don't get me wrong, listeners. It, it's a masterpiece. For like sure. Flaw, no, yeah. Like flawlessly, through and through. I totally get where you're coming from on yeah. that. Um, so then... And get this. Nothing. Not a music video. Zero. Nothing. Apparently, according to IMDb, he does a documentary short Doesn't, in 2012, it? and it's called Paul Thomas Anderson Production Assistant 1992. How about that? Uh, so there's literally nothing about it. Like it just says that it's here. Okay. Um, so he does nothing as far as we can kind of as far as like gather. you can get like view. Yeah. Uh, so so another the second five year gap. Yeah. There is another five year gap. And I would have to assume coming off of There There Will Be Blood, people were probably to. like, hey bud, what the fuck what are you gonna do? Yeah, do? what yeah. are you gonna do next? Let us and finance think, your movie. And I think this is a very interesting shift. Again, it is. Not only it's just, not as extreme stylistic. We're not pivoting yes. like we just have. Yes. But it's not for people who just watched him do There Will Be Blood, this isn't There Will Be Blood too. No, it's not. You know, this no, isn't what not. people were hoping for. No, it's not. So in two thousand twelve, he does The Master the master the war film the i mean that's not really that's not really about war it's like set during the war for the first like five minutes (laughs) yeah it's, it's about a tortured war veteran and uh his uncertainty as returning from war yeah and he meets the leader of a cult of a cult it's a cult. <laughs> it's a cult. He's a religious leader, and uh, it loosely stars... Ba- loosely based on Scientology yeah. and L. Ron Hubbard. Um, it stars Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, uh, Rami Malek, a and a couple amazing. other people. Jesse Clemens. Jesse Plemons. <laughs> uh, so again, we're shifting into new actors. Philip Seymour Hoffman returns. Yes. Which in, is, his- in his... Best PTA role. And, unfortunately... Easily the best PTA role. And, unfortunately, his final. And his last. Yeah. Yes. So, wait, wait. So, in Hoffman's best PTA role, are you saying the best PTA character? It's... I mean, he's got... It's a it's like a three-way tie between, like, Hoffman, Daniel Plainview, and Frank Mackey. <laughs> and then there's Freddie Yeah. And then, and then it's like there's a lot to be able to consider. Oh but I agree with you completely. It is... Um, after playing... A supporting character in four previous Anderson films. Yeah. Hoffman gets to split the lead. Yeah. And he's stunning. Yeah. He's doing like like this weird kind of Orson Wellesish ish performance and it's awesome. He's like dancing and shit, yeah. and he's got like crazy su- speeches. Super charismatic. And it's it's ridiculous. But miles and miles away from like Scotty J from Boogie Nights. Yeah. Or Phil from Magnolia. Yeah. He's just he's the life of the party. Yeah. Where before he was the guy kind of pushed to the, the back. back. Yeah. Yeah. She, and he's fabulous. Yeah. Um, Amy Adams is amazing yes. as his wife. Haven't seen her be this stern and kind yeah, of she's intimidating, like really, right? Yeah, yeah, she's really... Um, she's, not like a, she's not really loving to Freddy. No. Like when Freddy first shows up. No. So for those who don't know, the film is... Uh, Freddy Quell is walking Phoenix, and he is a World War Two naval veteran. And he returns home from the war. And yeah. he's tr- struggling to find things to do. And he meets... Philip Seymour Hoffman's character Lancaster Dodd. Yeah, and so Walking Phoenix just starts to basically run with him, and that's that's it. It's just them (laughs) hanging out, really. Yeah, but Amy Adams is Lancaster Dodd's wife. Yes, and she doesn't take very well to Freddie. No, she's a little, you know, she thinks he's immature. Yeah, and that he's just and and because we talk about. Freddie brings different things out of Lancaster, Doc, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. They strike up this really weird friendship that no one else around them seems to understand. Yeah. And that is never really made clear. No. Anderson never tells us what the friendship is. So I think this film goes the deepest into like the metaphors and what we're dealing with, with yes. each character and yes. his themes. Not again, we see family. Joaquin Phoenix doesn't have a family. He no. finds one in Lancaster Dodd. Yes. He is, um, the, he's searching. There's the, the title alone. Yes. Ensues religion. Yeah. You know, he, Philip Seymour Hoffman runs a religious cult. There are yes. people who follow him. Yes. Because of his knowledge and what he brings to the table. And then Walking Phoenix thinks it's not real. Yeah. And to go back to family, uh, Lancaster Dodd has what looks like the perfect family, but in within them there's flaw. dysfunction. Yeah, there's yeah. some dysfunction. Yeah. They don't get along or whatever it may be at that scene. Yeah. But it's it's fantastic. I think it's a fantastically made movie. I I agree. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I know this is this is your baby as far as PTA movies are. Um, this I, is my baby. I will say, this is the movie I liked the least watching it the first time. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, what? Yeah. It just, it didn't have the directness that his other films have. No. And this is also the movie that I liked the most on upon rewatching them all. Yeah. Um, it's... Because of the, for the same reasons. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, the performances are... Superhuman, almost. Yeah. Hoffman and Phoenix. They're titan, Literal titans. There's this so... Every scene they have. The scene where he's being... Where he gives them the test. what yep. are, Right? The, I guess that's all it's called. When he tells him, yeah, he tells him he's going to be the guinea pig. Yeah. Don't blink and answer Don't my questions. Don't blink and answer the questions. Oh. And he's like slapping himself. Yeah. And like we said the other day, it's not like he's just like kind of slapping. No. It. He's fucking hitting like, himself. Like I want to damage my yeah. face kind of hits. Ugh. He does. He's so animalistic. Like he yeah, nicks, he's like, like hunched over, and weird. he's got like a, got like a, a divot in his yeah. mouth. Yeah, and uh, he's just and then the prison scene. Yeah, he's slamming he, his body into the the, the and bed when they when he makes him walk back and forth between the window and yeah. the wall or the door and the wall. It's so ridiculous. It doesn't stop. No, and this is what I mentioned earlier when we we're talking about Magnolia. Again, it doesn't stop. Yeah, but uh and we talked about this the other night as well magnolia uh gets there by loading more and more and more and more and more until yeah. the scale breaks essentially basically what anderson does here is he uses sparseness right yeah he lets the dead space of certain things or he lets uh yeah. not saying certain things or 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 a scene go on for too long or mm-hmm. a scene he lets uh He's much more subtle and much more nuanced, yeah. and he gets it. He gets to the same place, yeah. and that makes it even more impressive. Yeah, it's it's unreal. It really <laughs> is. I'm just every I, I time mean, I watch it, I'm mind blown. And how I mean, by how fantastic it is, it just it's just. I don't even, there's so much to say about it. Like the cut and then this, it's 70 millimeter. The colors are fantastic. Yes. The um, the score again is brilliant. It's another California epic. This time we're in in the 1950s. Um, There's just so much about it that you can't, and you can't look away for a minute just because you're nervous you're going to miss something and not in the sense of like, how when you watch something like Star Wars or Inception Sure. where you're going to miss like oh like the a plot. like a plot yeah this you're nervous about missing like an insult or like something that like matters to the characters and that is going to be used later on yeah. and someone can't tell you oh this is what happened because it's like yeah. it, it hits something different for you can't person. explain it yeah They're, it's... like personally designed for each viewer yeah. almost uh i mean yeah it's 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 staggering uh the the scene at the end, the one we always talk mm-hmm. about where
1: the Hoffman singing. sings to him.
0: Ugh It's crushing. Um I think it's one of the few movies I've had to pause. It's been too much. Because it's and I've had to like stop watching okay. after the singing scene. Because I don't scene. wanna like 'cause I don't wanna like wallow and miss something. Yo, I understand. So I have to like pause and the first time I watched it I think I stopped it to make sure like Oh, I had to get over it yeah. before I finished watching. It. It's the, the acting is so they they don't break neither of them. No, and they feel like they push each other. Yeah, more and more. Yeah, the scene is. Haunt. I mean, uh, I'm going to assume that is yours. that's my scene. That's your take yeah, that's scene. My takeaway scene. Is it the best PTA scene to date? I think so. Okay, that's just what like what it means because like though not even just when he sings to him, sure, but like everything leading up to it, right? Yeah. Like Freddie has now broken away from Lancaster, and they're not they're not rolling together anymore. When he shows up, Amy Adams dismisses him like she does yeah. not want anything to do with him. Absolutely. And even though they went out on a bad note, Philip Seymour Hoffman wants him back. Yeah. But he's, or you can stay. Oh, yeah. He, says like he so, wants him back. He says it so gently, too. And then and then he finishes singing, it. and if you learn to live in a world without a master, yeah. or any master, yeah. then let the rest of us know. It's so depressing. It's, but it's beautiful in that yeah that's so upsetting it does it cuts it cuts deeper than there will be blood yeah because it gives you flawed people but it, it cuts also deeper gives than you, everything I think it does too yes and it's easier to relate like Freddie is broken obviously, yeah. but he is also like on top of being because he's a, he's kind of he's not like conventionally an outcast like hes no, he's yeah. very angry and for sure um upset but he's also just lonely. Yeah. And he can't find what he needs. It's a stunning movie. It's a movie that gets better from, I've seen it three times now, I think. Yeah. First time, like I said, wasn't a huge fan. It was probably towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. Now it's probably the opposite. It's probably more towards the top. Yeah. Uh, I'll discuss that in greater detail, you know, once we get there. But yeah. grew on me a lot, hit me in a lot of ways that I it previously didn't understand. And yeah. it, it's a movie that'll last. I think it's not it's definitely not gonna be the one like the consensus for like the best movie of his no but to those who love it like yourself i think it strikes a deeper chord than any of yeah, them so aides, there's something yeah. to be said for that and this received three nominations only three all acting all acting walking phoenix philipsy warhoffman amy adams okay so it's best actor best supporting, supporting actor and supporting actress okay. yeah well deserved at the very well least deserved. nominations yeah, yeah. Uh, funny enough walking phoenix lost. lost to day lewis <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah for link for, for lincoln abraham lincoln Tough. There's a really funny video of when they because sh- they show like the clips and then the actor at yeah. the Oscars and so there's a really funny clip of Joaquin's reaction when it comes to him because he's like fucking Day Lewis is gonna win like <laughs> it's really funny he's great uh let's I want to see who everybody else lost to <laughs> Seymour Hoffman lost to Christoph Waltz for Django I would have given it to I Hoffman. also would have given it to him and Amy Adams loses to Anne Hathaway for Les Miserables okay. I guess she has the more memorable. Uh, Amy Adams is a little more subdued as a role. I guess I can understand that. Yeah, um, I would have given it to Hoffman though. Easily, I think Hoffman could have won easily that. Easily would have given Waltz it to Waltz. Already Hoffman. won. Waltz is better in *Inglorious Bastards* anyway. Easily would have given it to Hoffman. <laughs> but great, it's a ten out of ten for me. It's a it's a ten out of ten for me as well. It's fantastic. Uh, the scene that I will pick, since you picked that one, mm-hmm. will be when Freddie goes back to visit his girlfriend, mm. who at you know, the whole movie, he keeps talking about how much he misses her and he Mm -hmm. wants to be with her. He he left her to go serve in the Navy and he arrives and her her mother's there and she tells him that the girl left and she's married and she lives elsewhere and she has a family and just seeing this guy who, Mm -hmm. up to this point, has been he reacts very poorly to things. Yeah. He freaks out. He's violent. Yeah. He kind of takes it weirdly in stride. Yeah. It's like you see him. You see him mature as a person within. He's like, almost cool with it within the couple of minutes that scene uh, yeah. provides. Uh, so that scene sticks out to me a lot. That one hits. Yeah. That one hits deep. Yeah, and yeah, the master. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so there are a couple. Things in between his next film. We got some stuff. There's some, there's some li- little bits. So he does... Little bits. It's another Fiona Apple music video. Uh, Hot Knife is the name of the song. And... Uh, where are you going? I have to go to the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Fiona Apple... So it's another Fiona Apple one. It is to date the last of their collaborations. Um, but his, it's an interesting one. It kind of matches up with their We Blood" and The Master in that it is much more sparse and much more kind of cuts through all the BS and gets to the bone of the, of the song, which is a very stripped down song. Um, it's just Fiona Apple kind of drumming and singing and, uh, you know, there's no fancy arrangements. There's no fancy camera work. It's just there. So this is kind of the end of what I would kind of categorize as this Paul Thomas Anderson phase. Uh, being the master, There Will Be Blood, and now this video, you know, that's this kind of, very uh a classical uh kinda smooth phase of his that he really shakes up with his next feature film, which uh which we'll discuss momentarily. So in twenty fourteen. Yes. Uh Paul Thomas Anderson does a very short break. Very We've short seen break. a lot of long breaks, but not very, now short, very short. Yeah. A film that not a lot of people like. <laughs> so if if the master and there will be blood was meant to catapult him as a director, this to a lot of people probably sets him like paces back. Yeah, which is upsetting. To both you and me. It is, especially considering how much I like this movie. In 2014, we get Inherent Vice. Yes. His second adaptation. Yes. From the same name, yes. the novel by the same name, by very Thomas dense, Pynchon. Very dense, very dense novel. A very dense, a lot of, there's a lot of questions. Yes. There's not a lot, we're sure what's going on, but what it's about in the 70s, in California, again, again in LA, Larry Doc Sportello. He's a private investigator. He is meant to investigate the disappearance of a former girlfriend. Yes. But, of course, there's quite a bit else yeah, that sure. happens. De- yeah, detective narratives are naturally confusing. Yes. But when you throw on... All this other shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it becomes almost indecipherable. It stars Joaquin... It almost flows as straight, weirdly, as Doc does. He's just kind of gliding along and he's high. That's the you only watch movie. it and you're like, yeah, yeah... That's the only way to take it. Yeah. So it stars Joaquin Phoenix again, uh, Josh Brolin, uh, Maya Rudolph, his girlfriend yes. again, their second collaboration. Yeah. Catherine First Wa- official collaboration. Catherine Watterson. Um, who else am I forgetting? Owen year? Wilson. Owen Wilson, Benicio Del Toro. Yeah. And a Martin couple Short. other... Martin Short. Um, <laughs> a couple other Reese Witherspoon you yeah. Scene. scene um, It builds and builds. There's yeah. so many people There's in this. There's a lot of people in it. There's a lot of people that just have like one-offs too. Yeah, yeah. Um... I really like it. I really like it too. <laughs> I mean, I'm a I'm a film noir fan, and, and Dino is the noir expert. And from here on out, <laughs> thank you. And this totally is in my like wheelhouse. Like, I yeah. I was excited to see it, and it gave me everything I wanted. It's so n- willingly crazy. It's just like trippy. And- yeah it's not afraid to be really weird. No. Like, the the scene that weirded me out yes. the first time around and now still kind of, like, it's like, ugh, ugh, is when <laughs> is when he goes to the the whorehouse. Oh, yeah. And she's like, do you want to have the eater yeah. special? And he's like, mm, like, what does that entail? It's like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on? And then like, he gets knocked out right after. He, he's, like, walking down and he gets hit <laughs> yeah. in the head. Like, and he, he tries to, like, flail his it's arm. It's so... Uh, and there's just so many, like weird bits like what well, like we've mentioned he's watching the ad with Josh Brolin yeah. and Josh Brolin leads in and he goes what's, up, what's doc? up doc yeah on the television yeah, and he's like whoa yeah or his friend Joanna Newsom, <laughs> yeah. friend, Joanna Newsom I yeah. forget the name of her character but she's like her his his friend and they and I didn't notice this I told Josh I didn't notice this the first couple times watching it but like she's in the car talking with him she only talks to him throughout the film yeah but when he arrives at that destination and he gets out of the car she's not in the car yeah. so then it raises like is she real is doc imagining her There's just so many stuff on top of what's already a really confusing narrative. And on top of the fact that everyone's on drugs, (laughs) he throws in things that are almost surreal. Yeah. And it's just like on top of each other and on top of each other. There's just so many, it's so tangled up that there's not even like a super decipherable meaning, even if you like went clue by clue, but that's kind of the fun of it also. I feel like it's as challenging as anything he's ever done. But, Easily. Be, but because it, it looks like it's funny and there's like, oh, it's the mm-hmm. stoners and there's comedy, I feel like people maybe didn't expect that. There's so much dense, it's so yeah, dense as yeah. a film. Yeah. There's it's, so many questions and none of them are ever not answered. Not really. Never. Not really. Like, no. Even at the end when, when they're driving together, I've still not even, you know, not, he looks in the really rearview mirror yeah. and it's like, what's going on? Who? Josh Brolin is awesome. He is as Bigfoot, Bigfoot Bjornsson. <laughs> what a great name! That is a great name, and he's so he's always eating the chocolate bananas. Oh god! And when he's eating in the car and walking, is he's he's just kind the of looking he looks, at it. looks all nauseous. And when he when he interviews the the girl and he's like, she's like, here's a picture of him, and he's like, no, oh! and he yeah. yells when he looks at it. Like there's so much just back and forth it's and really constant fun constant weird yes yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it tries to follow a narrative but then it goes on like these detours but the detours are so fun yeah. you don't mind I wonder if people the, I wonder people who are angry let us know send it why don't you like the movie because <laughs> it's so comfortable to like drift among like you said just all of the shit that it does yeah and I mean it takes a lot of influence Robert Altman does a, a film noir in 1973 The Long Goodbye yeah which is also a detective in the seventies in California and there's hippies and stuff like that. This definitely takes a page out of that book. Yeah. And then there's lots of big Lebowski in yeah. there, right? Kind of the surreal stoner kind of elements. Yeah. Both of those movies did poorly when they came out yeah. and have now got this reputation so of being classic. So hopefully Inherent Vice follows suit. Yeah. Hopefully Inherent Vice, hopefully like a few more years removed. People yeah. are like, you know what? Inherent Vice is pretty good. It's super deserving. Yeah. And I think it's as I fun like as a those lot. movies. Um, I find it find it almost is I fondle it. I find it almost <laughs> as easily rewatchable as Boogie Nights. It's close, yeah. It's, yeah. There. it's almost there. it gets it almost gets there to yeah. the point of just like I'm just gonna throw this on. <laughs> yeah, it's totally it's. was also kind of a palate cleanser coming off the previous movies. It's not it's as nice. like heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Like there's some there's obviously some weird stuff and there's some depressing parts. Sure, but it is not as heavy. No, it's more any just like hits stuff. it and then goes on to the yeah. next thing. The other ones kind of wallow in that. Yeah, so um, yeah. I think it's. It's fantastic. It is. Uh, any standout scenes for you? Mm, where there's a there's a few when the, when he goes and talks to Martin Short. That scene's great. <laughs> and Martin Short's just like that's not groovy, man. <laughs> like, that's that scene. They're both like doing a bunch and of coke. And then when Catherine uh, Waterston comes back. Yes, and seems... he's not and he's not expecting it. No, anything. that scene's pretty intense. Yeah that scene is yeah that scene and not for like in, obviously not enjoyment factor <laughs> sure yeah it's horrifying but just like the what it because it, it almost it's probably the closest scene we get to getting an answer yeah like you're almost there yeah and you're just like oh yeah. give it to me but then and it doesn't and it's the happen. least passive that Doc is yeah but like you said yeah. throughout the rest of the movie you just kind of glazed and yeah. kind of walking through it
1: and the, this he's really like he gets, alert like, he's so attentive yeah. yeah
0: um that's a good scene Ooh. I one of those. I don't know what else. I'm trying to think of other scenes. There's there's a lot. There's a scene I like a lot. It's it's when he they're I don't even know what, they're like at a weird hippie party and mm-hmm. he meets up with Owen Wilson. Yeah. And they're sitting and it, at a just the Last Supper. It, yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. They're sitting at a dinner table and it's it's him and, and Owen Wilson having a conversation mm-hmm. and it does that thing you mentioned where it's like a slow pan in. Yeah. And it's and they're just sitting there talking mm-hmm. and they're both just so stoned and so paranoid. And but they they have serious things to discuss. Yeah. So the contrast of like they're so out of their heads. Yeah. And they're 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 trying to just like really figure out these very serious things. It's such a, it's it's hilarious and it's also really kind of suspenseful. Yeah. I like yeah. that. That scene stuck out to me a lot, and I, I like that one a That's lot. A good one. Um, Scores, but this one's a tough one to categorize. Is this is well. a tough one. Uh, I'm going eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Okay. And do you have reasons why? Uh, While it benefits from it being so, like just late, kind of lazy, and not lazy, just like the story overall and how the characters interact. Yeah, it's just it is very chill and laid back. While that is what strengthens it, that's also kind of what weakens it because while there are a lot of questions to ask, there's not much to dig after that. It's just kind of hollow after that. And even though there's a lot of like complexity to the investigation itself Mm -hmm. and the people that doc interacts with, there's just not much you can take after that. And while it's just good fun, it's good filmmaking, it's very well-made. Um, And there is, like you said, there is sort of a sadness tying it all together that puts it in line with his other movies. So I just think, and he kind of moves away from some of the stuff I like him for, just like thematic-wise. Sure. There's not a ton of religious stuff. There's not a ton of family talk. Yeah. So it just kind of, but at the same time, it's a ton of fun. It is. It is. And for the family thing, obviously it's an adaptation. Yeah. he followed pretty faithfully, um, at least as faithfully as he could in in a movie. There is the family thread in that the only thing that Doc achieves is that he gets Owen Wilson and his yeah. family back together. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe... The, that maybe, seems cool. You know what I mean? Maybe that's the the thread for Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's a nice little touch to kind of bring the theme through. Yeah. I will give it... I will give it a... I will give it a 9 out of 10. Okay. I don't think it is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I think it sometimes can be a, a lot to take in one sitting it is, it um, is a lot to around take that three quarters mark where, where like uh doc gets like kidnapped and like handcuffed mm-hmm. yeah know, yeah he has yeah like shoot his way out that scene always i always get kind of uh, obviously it's confusing the whole movie mm-hmm. i get really confused there as to who's doing what and why because then josh brolin's there yeah I'm str- i always struggle at that point yeah and i would say just look Think something like that okay. keeps yep. it from being a perfect film, yeah, but it's it. so like purposefully sloppy anyway that I don't feel so bad giving it. Yeah, not a ten. Who cares? I'm sure that's. I'm sure me and you have given it much higher than other people. Yeah, easily. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure both of the eight and the nine are higher than like the average <laughs> ranking of it. And so that's they, he takes another break. He does. It's more of a familiar break. It's it is. a little bit. It's a little shorter. It is. It was. It wasn't a short break for us in 2014. You and me specifically were like, where the fuck is the yeah. next PTA movie? Yeah. Um, so. He does do a lot on the in music between. front. Yeah. Yeah. So so Inherent Vice is 2014. In mm-hmm. 2015, he does a pair of music videos with Joanna Newsom, mm-hmm. who again uh, appears in Inherent Vice. Um, I don't know if I'm saying this properly. One of them, Sapo Kanikan... it's a very odd word and then the other one's divers Mm -hmm. now these are like Joanna Newsom Mm -hmm. who does like freak folk kind of as a genre Mm -hmm. Um, they're very trippy they're very psychedelic one of them is like her but it's like there's kind of mountains in the back and she's kind of like on like the. it's a very weird like psychedelic kind of retro thing and I feel like it kind of rounds out his little psychedelic phase okay Um, nicely
1: because
0: after that we get another shift, kind of. Yeah. Um, and then also in 2015, he does a documentary. It's mm-hmm. 56 Minutes. Mm. Uh, Junoon. Junoon. Yeah, J-U-N-U-N. Junoon. 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 Uh, it's it's uh, Johnny Greenwood, his buddy, who also, buddy. he scores Inherent Vice. We didn't mention that. He does score he in vice, Inherent yeah. Vice. scores Inherent and Robert Elswit shoots Inherent Vice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Johnny Greenwood going to India and basically record him and uh, Nigel... Uh, the, the producer from Radiohead not Tom York <laughs> <laughs> and they're recording an album in India with the band and it's a really in, I guess kind of kind of extending the hair Vice thing a little bit maybe not I don't know mm-hmm. is, it, it's just kind of a kickback kind of he's filming them record the album yeah you know so the jam sessions they're them kind of mumbling in between takes there's not really any talking heads or interviews with uh, Johnny Greenwood mm-hmm. or anything like that uh, and and certain, it's very off the cuff. You know, I want, in a couple of scenes, you see Anderson kind of get up and you see yeah. the camera shake around and kind of focus on what he needs to... So you could tell it was more just like, this will be fun kind of thing. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's it's an essential part of his filmography, mm. but being that he's so indebted to people like Scorsese and Jonathan Demi, who have a lot of like... They, they do a lot of like music docs. Yeah. Um, it it's kind of fun to see him dip his toe in it that water. It fits comfortably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's 2015... Running with the Radiohead theme in 2016, mm. he does a trio of Radiohead videos. He does. Yes. Now, how do you feel about uh, Daydreaming? Daydreaming's cool. Uh, I'm a big Radiohead fan Yes. the, fans. the um Daydreaming, if you've heard the song, is great. That album is yeah. great. Um, but Daydreaming is basically just Tom York walking around yeah, and then he just like walks in and out of like doors and like he's in different places and so it's it weirdly is comfortable with the song because the song is just so like happy and relaxed and it's kind of chill and so it's cool to just like yeah yeah that's cool (laughs) like just walking around it feels really elegant yeah weirdly right yeah the camera Um, work is, is pretty smooth and and the music itself i don't know whether this is intentional or not but with his next film, I feel like there's almost a, there's so, there's a, little, bit, a little bit of overpass. Um, um, the, the same can be said for the other two Radiohead songs. I don't remember which is which. I think the present tense is the live. Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah present tense the is numbers, the live one, which is nice. The like them, just like them like, like mm-hmm. out in the middle of like, yeah, outdoors. Uh, present tense is nice. Yeah. Um. It's just cool. Yeah. To see them again. You can tell again. he's shaking off his like, I'm not doing like the hippie yeah, kind of yeah. crazy thing anymore. I'm kind of done with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of doing something new. So I like all three of those videos. I do too. They're good. Um, 2017, he does uh, Valentine, which is a couple of videos for the group Hame. Okay. Um, very similar to the Radiohead. Not much, very much you can like lump them all together. Yeah. Smooth, you know, uh, stylish but not flashy. Yeah. Uh, muted colors. Mm-hmm. And so these Radiohead videos and these Haim videos take us very nicely into the film that's going to conclude his career and our podcast up to this point. So far. Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. In 2017. Yes. The very end of 2017. Not only the final Paul Thomas Anderson film at this point, the final Daniel Day-Lewis film. As far as we know. As far as we know. He has said he's done after this. Um... It is in 2017. It stars Daniel Day-Lewis, Vicky Kripes, and Leslie Manville. Yeah. Before, uh, well, I guess we'll talk. So, it's set in the 50s. Yeah. It's his other, I think it's his other very big period piece. Yes. It's in the 50s. It's not in California. No, it's, 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 uh, it's, oh, we didn't mention that. Hard Eight is set in Reno, Nevada, and Phantom Thread is set in London. These are his mm. only two films that are not set in California. So, uh, it's set in London, the 1950s, and it's about Reynolds Woodcock, Great name. Who is a renowned <laughs> dressmaker? He makes dresses for the for royalty and for models and for all these things. Yeah, and he's very rich and wealthy and popular. And he meets a woman at a restaurant yeah, who becomes his new muse. Yes, as you would describe it. Yes, um, Jason Muse. <laughs> the <laughs> the first thing that I was fascinated by going. Walking out of Phantom Thread, yes, was, I? I would disappoint, and at the same time, make Paul Thomas Anderson very happy. The first time I saw Phantom Thread was on a screener. <laughs> I later saw it in the theater. Right. So if I met him, I would lie. All right, Jordan. Peele. I wouldn't pull a Jordan yeah. Peele. I would lie. But, oh, in the theater, of course. But you don't want to lose him. The first thing I remember thinking when I walked out is that both. Vicky Creeps and Leslie Manville hold their own and steal the show at times from Daniel Day Lewis. Absolutely. Because Daniel Day Lewis is obviously known for being a a scene stealer. Yes. He is a top notch actor. He dominates. And he is the front and center of every movie he's in. Yes. Even if he's not the lead character. He is very out, he's overshadowed in scenes. Yes. By Leslie Manville and Vicky Creeps. Intentionally so. Yeah. Both of them are fantastic. They are. In each role, in yeah. each respect, Vicky Krieps deserved a nomination. Yeah, uh, Leslie Mabel's good, but yes. Oh man, yes. they're both all. All the trio is fantastic. Yes. Can we talk about how different this is? This is very different from everything else up until this point, yeah. too. Especially if you're if you're saying like, "What did he do last?" Inherent Vice. Yeah. This is oh, this it's is it's very, very elegant and yeah. it's meant to be very precise and it's yeah. very. Kind manner. Yeah. And it's, it's just... very prim and proper, much like Woodcock himself. Yes, yeah. So. And, and just like Inherent Vice is very sloppy and kind of hazy like Doc. Yeah. He does that well. It's so good. It's... Yeah, it's stunning. This is the first time he's kind of pulling from influences that are not American. We're talking yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. People like that. You yep. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca movies that are traditionally European. Mm-hmm. And it has a very European vibe. It does. Which is not... Uh, the norm for him, no. And Greenwood's score is fabulous, flawless. It's my favorite. I think it's the best score in a PTA film to date. It's the best score in a PTA film today. It's the best score of last year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a crime <laughs> that it that didn't win. <laughs> Should have won that Oscar. Um, it's it's just so, and I would be willing, yes, to make a full fledged argument that this is Dane Lewis's best performance. Interesting. Yeah, and people you get some you get just, some pushback just because we don't see him at this level ever. He is either Daniel Plainview, sure. and even when he's Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. He's not he's abra. he's just Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those biopic performances that's he's very clearly you know, it's Denzel as Malcolm X, sure. and you know some other uh, Ben Kingsley as Gandhi, yeah, and yeah. now Oldman is Churchill. Types, yeah, those so types of roles. It's and so he's very so when he's Lincoln, he is very reeled in and he's calm, but there's something so like I don't even know elegant about yeah. the about him being Woodcock. Yeah. He's he's a British. He's so like just everything. Yeah. And so he's just so like uptight, and yeah. he's very relaxed at times. And then there's moments where he almost like loses it, yeah. But he never d- fully does. Yeah. And he is weak in moments, and he's yeah. very strong, and then he's embarrassed at times. Which we, so it's just right. like we don't see him a full spectrum of like everything. Day Lewis can do. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's it's a way more subdued performance than Daniel Plainview. Yeah, <laughs> way more. They went in the complete opposite direction. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you. Uh, they hit it out of the park. They hit it like, out of movie's the This movie's park. fabulous. Yeah, It's polarizing a little bit for some people a given bit the people ending. Yeah, people don't like the ending. Well, yeah, with the mushrooms. I love the ending. I think the ending's fantastic. I think the ending fits. Yes. Like it makes the movie almost. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and so, oh, so, to explain, mm-hmm. um, Reynolds is a very volatile person. Yes. And Alma, the character played by Vicky Kripes, is for once a muse that's not going to kind of put up with that, and yeah. so she proceeds to when she feels like she's going to be kicked out, so to mm-hmm. speak, she poisons him basically, right? Yeah. She goes and gets some some mushrooms and puts them in an omelet, and he's deathly ill, like on his deathbed. Yeah, like Ill. he recovers, and it's like things are good. And they get married. He's in a new light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He see, you know, he realizes his they age marry number. previously explaining why he would never be married. Yes. So he changes like the opinions. Yes. And then it happens again towards the end of the film where they they don't see eye to eye and she poisons him again. But this time he realizes it and he embraces it. And he fucking eats the omelet. And he eats the omelet. And and they both, they both come to this weird agreement slash understanding that if he gets too far out of line, she's going to poison him and he's going to agree to that yeah, so that they can maintain this really twisted kind of beautiful relationship. Yeah. Not very commercial yet again, no <laughs> um, it is uh, it's so good it is it's it's and uh, creeps is awesome in like. She's, like, innocent, but yeah. then she is, like, imposing yeah. for bits, like, when she does snap at him yeah. or when she t- tries to not put up with his shit. Like, yeah. she is very, like, vicious in yeah. ways. And we, she's kind of our main character, yeah. which you don't get necessarily, like, with the trailers or something no. like that. That's and kind then of Leslie Manville is, like, a perfect counter to the both of them. Yeah. She's almost the mediator. She kind of is, yeah. She kind of is, like, she has to be there when Woodcock wants to like, yeah. complain, and she... Is just there to give him some insight, yeah. but then at the same time, she doesn't want to put up with Alma's innocence just as much as he does. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's a weird, lots middle. of tricky balances. I think this is elegant is the word we keep coming back to, but I think it fits this it's movie the f- it fits. just like whimsical kind of fits punch drunk. Yeah, guy, this is elegant. Yeah. Like, and and he's not someone necessarily who is elegant. No, he tends to be more upfront and more overt with the things he does. So it's mm-hmm. it's nice to see him try this and just nail it yeah. again. Yeah. Um, no, Robert Elswit. No, Robert Elswit. He shoots the film himself. Yes, yes. Madly Robert impressive. Elswit was was busy. It's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. So it's madly impressive. It is. It is, and it feels musical at points, especially yeah. in the opening. The music is almost played front to back. Almost. Yeah. Uh, it helps with that kind of weird, elegant, timeless romance thing. Yeah. Um, I. It's great. I'm still sitting on it. It's, tough it's hard to, to, to decide of, where it ranks. It is, like, like so many of them. Mm-hmm. But I can say definitively that it is a great movie. It is. Um, what are the scenes for you? <sighs> There's a lot. There's obviously the Leslie Manville um, when she's like, oh, you shut right up. Oh, and she yeah. tells him, like, if yeah. you don't pick a fight with me, yes. you'll end up on the floor. Yes. Um, I really like when Vicky Kripes wants to make him dinner and then they argue. Oh, yeah. That's really good. That is good. Um, but I'm sure this might be the only film that we have the same scene on. Yes. And it's when the first time that Vicky, that Alma poisons Woodcock. Yeah. He is laying in bed and he's deathly ill. And earlier in the film, they have a conversation about his mother. I'll actually, I'm going to go with another scene. Oh, so I'm wow. I'm glad you're okay, taking cool. this one. Because this um, one is the other one I had in mind. his. So his mother is basically his inspiration for why he made dresses. She got him into it and she has passed. Yes. So while he is deathly ill, there is a part of the scene where she, his dead mother is in the room. Yeah. And he's laying there in bed and she is standing at the other end of the room and he just talks to her. Yeah. And she doesn't, and she doesn't say a single word. She just stands there and he just talks to her and tells her how he misses her. And every day he thinks about her. Yeah. And then Alma comes in the room and she's gone. She's gone. That's that scene. Like I'm getting chills just talking about it. Yeah. That scene is like right up front runner to like the yeah. singing in the master. Yeah. No, it's that scene's amazing. He acts it so well. Because it's when fun. I was watching Phantom Thread, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be able to top the Master in terms of like, there's not something that I'm loving right now. Yeah. And then that happened. I was like, oh, you fucking did it! Yeah. Like, there's yeah. the scene. You son of a bitch. Yeah. The Phantom in Phantom Thread. Who would have thought? Yeah. It? you fucking as soon as it happened I was like there you did it you, you bastard like <laughs> that scene is that scene yeah it's so it's heartbreaking it's played so well and he's just like he's like sweating and he's yeah. and he's just deathly ill yeah and he, all he can it's talk about so weak. and the only thing he can talk about is how excited he is to see her again yeah And it's like, it's like his only, it's like one of his few unselfish moments. Yeah. And now that I know that you're not going to say this one, I know the scene you're going to say. So what's your scene? My grade is nine out of ten. Nine out of 10? Yeah. Okay. It's brilliant. It is. Sitting on it longer, it may be 10 out of 10. Seeing it more, it might be there. Yeah. But just on first, like, reviews, I would say it's a nine out of 10. Okay. Um, The scene I am going to go with is the New Year's party. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this Fantastic, this amazing they have an, an argument scene. they have an argument and uh, Alma decides to go out to this party for New Years mm-hmm. he wants to stay home he eventually goes out after her yeah. and he arrives at at the party just as they're counting down the clock for the New Years mm-hmm. and he's looking for her and it's just it's a close up of his face as they count down and he can't find her and there's that it's a split second but it's that moment of just sheer like isolation he's so sad to not be with her and when he's just looking around yeah and he's he's, it's it's that vulnerability again that he said and then he goes and finds her and the whole scenes they don't speak yep you know that scene there's something that gives me goosebumps about that whole scene that whole set yeah and that seems really at the very end they go back to very briefly and it's beautiful with the balloons and they're just dancing and the balloons fall beautiful and Best. it's just the two of them? It's just the two of them, yeah. Um, that scene is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Score-wise, I think I'm going to have to go with a 9 out of 10 right yeah. now as well. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, i guess going to sit on it. It's just so... It's it's almost like I'm angry. Like, how are you so good? It doesn't make sense. Like, you think he would, like, slump every once in a while. Yeah. But it never fucking happens. Do we want to try He's to... done it. I mean, so what is that... If you were gonna, if you were gonna say a top three, a top three. My top three are the Master. Okay. As number one, Magnolia is number two. Okay. And I would pro- go as far as to say that Phantom Thread will number probably three. stick at number three. Okay. That's so what was... it's been for a little while, and that's probably what it will be. Okay. As I continue on. So this is good because for you chronologically, it means he's his more recent ones have been. Yeah, yeah. Magnolia is the only first half. Yeah, yeah. And I only have one first half in my top three yeah, as well, so um, my one would be a Boogie Nights. Number one, number one. Yeah, number two would be The Master, and number three will be. Oof, it's tricky. It is tricky. Number three, I, I will go with Inherent Vice. Yeah, uh, I will do that. It's so he's so good, and he can't miss. It's almost like he's on his own high wire act, just because he's like, I wonder if I can. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like he's confused. Like, how come I haven't made one that's not so great? Yeah, he's like, what the heck? Yeah. And when he's working on a film, he's working on a story with his daughters. With his daughters. Yeah, that's so cool. It's a family friendly. That's film, cool. Which is cool. We'll see if that materializes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Obviously, do whatever you want. Yeah, I was gonna I don't say care. he's. Yeah. I am cool with that. Well, that was concludes yeah. the lengthy. First episode, maybe two-parter. Probably two-parter. Probably two-parter. For the best, I think, two-parter. Of our podcast. Two Guys episode in a Movie. Episode one. Two Guys in a Movie. Two Guys in a Lot of Movies. A Lot of Movies. <laughs> that should be the title. Two, two Guys, guys in a Lot of Movies. Two Guys in a Lot of Movies. Um, and a Lot of PTA Movies. And a Lot of PTA Movies. Obviously, there was a lot of praise. <laughs> a Lot of Praise. The next director probably won't be that. No. Just because few, very few directors have such a flawless career. Yes. So, and it would be really boring, I would assume, to just hear us gush without criticizing. Yeah. So we'll go get on some films that we don't really like. Yeah. We'll pick someone who's a little more inconsistent. So. It should be easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I had a good time. I had a great time, dude! Thank you guys for sending in your questions. Thanks for the questions. Yeah. Oh, more questions. Yeah, would be amazing. It's a whole time. episode of questions. Um, yeah, was a lot two of two guys in pla- questions. Two guys in questions. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff planned between the two of us. Yeah, that we we're gonna do. Um, we're just excited yeah. to be on the horse. Watch PTA movies. Watch some fucking PTA In case movies. That wasn't clear. Go rewatch *Inherent Vice*. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> Nothing. It's at all. so good. It's such a good movie. Also, *The Master*. *The Master* doesn't have all the credit it deserves. No, yet. it's getting there, but it doesn't have it yet. Just like Josh Bro, just just watching *Inherent Vice* just alone for the way that Josh Brolin says, "What's up, Doc?" <laughs> <laughs> just for that. I love the part when he's like, "Are you guys a F P K I N He's like, "Fucking." <laughs> it's so great. Just love it. Yeah. Love him. Fantastic director. Absolutely Cool dude. Seems like a yeah. really cool dude. <laughs> He's Super probably chill. awesome to hang out with. Super chill. He's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that concludes the episode. And we will see you next time. Yep. Where can they find you on Twitter before we end oh, this? Oh, at Danilo S. Castro. <laughs> Boom. You can find me at josh__williams09, and then you can just follow the podcast at Two Guys in a Movie. Yeah. We... Two Guys and a Twitter account. Two Guys and a Twitter account. This title is so applicable to <laughs> we got to keep this We're gonna, thing going. We're going to a lot of stuff. <laughs> two Guys and a Table. <laughs> yeah. Two Guys and One Microphone. It's intense. Yes. But we will see you next time for some more film geeking out. See you later. Oops.